Welcome to the Luxury Listing Specialist Podcast with Michael Lafito, where top luxury agents reveal their best practices, plus interviews with real estate industry influencers, thought leaders, and luxury marketing experts. You'll come away from each episode with new strategies and tactics to dominate high-end homes in any market. And now for the latest episode of Luxury Listing Specialist. Here's your host, luxury real estate expert, coach, and trainer, Michael Lafito. Welcome back to another episode of the Luxury Listing Specialist podcast. I'm your host, Michael Lafito. You're in the right spot if you're looking to work smarter and not harder. And if you're looking to increase the average sale price of a home you represent by utilizing the best tools and resources that are available to agents today. I'm really excited about today's guest, but before I introduce before I introduce Jim, I do want to remind you, if you miss, missed a previous episode, don't worry. You can go to iTunes or Stitcher, look up Luxury Listing Specialist, or you can go directly to LuxuryListingPodcast.com, LuxuryListingPodcast.com, and uh, you'll find all the information that you need right there. With that being said, let's get right into things. I'm really excited to have today's guest on the show, and I, I like to give everybody a little background of where I first heard about the guest. So I attended the Keller Williams Luxury Conference, uh, I believe it was in May in Washington, D.C. this year, and um, this gentleman, uh, Jim, uh, Jim Park, spoke, and he did an amazing job talking a little bit about how luxury is global, and he really um, articulated the message and used a lot of great visuals, which I recommend to any agent working with buyers or sellers. You've got to have good visuals and be able to tell the story, and, um, and, and Jim did an amazing job. So I have um, on today's show, we have Jim Park from Marquee International uh, team, uh, KW Realty. Um, Jim, welcome. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, and again, thanks for blocking off time. I know um, your, your time is valuable, as is all our guests and the listeners. So um, t- tell everybody a little bit about um, your story and, and um, you're involved in, in you know, investing and you helped found an organization around 15 years ago. So if you would give everybody just a, a quick uh, you know, one to two minute background before we go into you know, Luxury is Global and talk a little bit about some of the things um, that the audience is looking forward to. Sure, I'll just do a, a quick recap. I, I, you know, my my uh, background is pretty diverse when it comes to real estate and uh, finance uh, business. I I started out my career 30 years ago as a lobbyist on housing, affordable housing issues in Washington D.C. I spent a number of years uh, working on different policy uh, issues that impact uh, low wealth communities uh, as well as real estate. I worked at FHA, I worked at Freddie Mac, and um, and spent a number of years doing some of those work. Then I later on I moved, uh, set, started a um, asset management business, REO asset management business uh, during the, the the massive downturn that everyone was feeling uh, a little more than ten years ago, um, and uh, built that to a, a fairly large um, asset management uh, company. Um, we managed uh, real estate REO assets for some of the biggest uh, institutions in the world. Um, and also at the same time, we, I had, um, a ownership interest in a number of real estate companies in about five different states. Um, and, and so we, um, you know, sort of built, um, built the real estate business that way. 
Um, but at the same time, a little before, I helped to start an organization called Asian Real Estate Association of America, uh, which is a business trade organization focused on serving the Asian American market better in the United States um, and globally. And, um, and that, that organization celebrates its 15th year this year, uh, 17,000 member plus, uh, 39 chapters throughout North America, including two in Canada. And so it's a, it's a vibrant, great organization. It's a great networking um, place, but it's also a great place for education and knowledge development. So, you know, I would really suggest that people look into that. They can look at it up by just going to aria.org, A-R-E-A-A.org. Uh, but right now, um, along with a few other businesses right now, I have one that I am uh, sort of very passionate about. I just started. Uh, it's a... Um, it's, it's under the KW uh, expansion operation. We're starting a, um, started a, a organization, um, an entity called the uh, Marquis International Team. Uh, it's currently operating out of Boston, Orange County. We're about to launch something in New York City uh, in the, over the next couple of months uh, and several more major markets to come uh, before the end of the year. And the idea behind that, the team here is under KW is we're, recruiting and building individuals who want to uh, um, to be not only a prolific agent, but to build a business, uh, build a team that can support the, uh, the growing demands of international buyers, uh, not only from residential sales perspective, but many of them are, uh, these high net worth individuals are looking to invest, they're looking to develop, and there are a lot of other business opportunities that we can support. So... That's what we're trying to do under the uh, Marquis International uh, team structure, expansion structure in all the key markets throughout the country. So, and, and, and for instance, one of the things that we're doing is in the next couple of months, we'll be going out to Hong Kong and potentially Singapore as well, meeting with high net worth consumers, uh, investors, and to talk about different opportunities that are, uh, that are here uh, in the United States. Okay. Well, a, a couple of things. First off, thank you for the background. Um, for those of you that missed the URL um, that he referenced for Asian Real Estate Association of America or AREAA.org, it's AREAA.org. You can find out more about the Asian Real Estate Association of America, 39 chapters, um, as you mentioned. So all the information should be at that website. Correct, Jim? That's right. It'll be, it'll be on that site. Awesome. Well, good. Well, um, tell, well, first off, thank you for the little background. I think it's really important to know who your guest is. Um, so as I mentioned, uh, Jim and I met uh, at the Keller Williams Luxury Conference uh, this past May 2018, and he talked about how luxury is global, and you've heard that a lot. Um, one of the things that you talked a little bit about at that conference is you talked about uh, luxury is a strategy, and, and, and you referenced the Ritz Carlton experience as an example. Um, can, can you talk to um, us a little bit about that, please? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you know, people talk about being in the luxury business or global business as, as it relates to real estate, and and they think it means you go um, maybe dress a little nicer, get a get a fancier car, or get a better. You know, but but it really, at the end of the day, um, you know, you have to build a strategy and a way of engaging your clients, building out your client base uh, in a different way. And so, the, one of the examples I use uh, was Ritz Carlton. 
everyone knows when they go to a Ritz Carlton, they know what the experience is going to be. Uh, they know it's going to be outstanding customer service. Uh, they know that the, when you go in, it has a certain feel. Uh, but most importantly, you know how the workers, the people that are in that building, how they're going to treat you and how they're going to engage you. And it leaves you with an impression that is very different than walking into any other hotel. And, uh, but that wasn't by mistake. It wasn't by just chance that that's happened. Um, Ritz Carlton, years and years ago, this was, um, I believe, was sort of in the 80s, they started, the, the CEO at that point started a strategy to say, hey, I want every employee to have ownership about the customer experience. And so they allocated to each staff, doesn't matter which, what role you had, they allocated $2,000 per day to create the right experience. So if something went wrong, they, can, they, they had the ability to fix it immediately. They didn't have to run it up the chain. They didn't have to get approval. They had the ability to make things right. Um, and that sense of empowerment and sense of focus back to the employees really turned into uh, the way the staff, the employees of Ritz-Carlton, how they interact with guests. And that's why when you go, you, you get greetings by name. They try to anticipate your need. Not, you don't have to ask for things. You generally know they're going to be on top of things. And that clear and very simple strategy that they laid out has turned into one of the, 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 the top customer experience um, entities in the, in the country, if not the world. That's awesome. Uh, so again, being proactive, anticipating the needs, you know, greeting by name, having a, a clear and simple system, right? Um, it's, 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 it's basically like a franchise, right? I mean, you can't, you can't start a, a certain restaurant and a franchise and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to change the colors. I'm going to do things differently. The Ritz-Carlton experience, it's a clear and simple strategy. And, uh, you know, the culture and, and the, the employees have bought in. So I thought that was a good reminder when you're building a team, when you're building a franchise, when you're building an independent brokerage, if you're a solo agent, you know, having a strategy in place, treating people the way they want to be treated, being consistent, that's how you earn referrals. Because we talk about it, it's very difficult if you're an agent that you don't specialize in high-end or luxury homes, it's difficult to penetrate that luxury circle of trust. To use that Robert uh, De Niro analogy from Meet the Parents, it's tough to penetrate that circle of trust. And so if you do, and when you do, and you have that high-end client or that luxury listing, if you do a great job, you've set that bar. They're going to refer you to others, but you have to keep that bar, right? It's a clear and simple strategy. You've got to treat them the same way if they refer it, because if you do a bad job, just like a, a, a restaurant recommendation or a poor recommendation. If you say stay away in a bad review, you do a bad job, it's going to be very difficult to earn the trust uh, again. Yeah, and I think it's trust and uh, level of expectation. So when you, when you talk about luxury business or global business, now um, they're not always the same, but there are different expectations that come with trying to build your business around each of those things. And so it's not, you know, at some point when you deal with halter and high net worth individuals, it's not just a transaction at that point. 
uh, it becomes other lifestyle choices and things that that are um, more than just buying a home. They're buying other things. They're buying uh, where they live, uh, the 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 amenities that that are available nearby, and all those things that are that make up what the needs of that that client is. Just like Ritz Carlton anticipates need of their clients, you have to do the same when you deal with certain categories of clientele. So you have to prepare for it. You can't just stumble upon it because as you say, you know, once you lose that, you're not going to get it back. Um, um, You know, it it only takes literally, uh, it only literally takes a few seconds to to have that first impression, but to rebuild that impression, if if it's the wrong impression, to rebuild that, it takes, uh, you know, what they say is another 50 encounters to rebuild that uh, uh, reputation. So, that first one is really important. So if you're going to do this, do it right out of the gate. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Very good. Um, let's, let's move on. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the global buyer. So uh, one of the slides, which, by the way, we will make slides available uh, to those that are, that are listening to the podcast, but one of the slides that they'll get um, is talking about how there was, uh, according to NAR, 153 billion in global buyer purchases last year in the U.S., which is a 49% year-over-year increase. And the top five countries were China, in order, China, Canada, the U.K., Mexico, and India. And the top five, so let me repeat that, top five um, countries that global buyers purchases came from, China was number one, just over 31 billion, Canada was second at 19 billion, UK at nine and a half billion, Mexico was fourth at 9.3, and India was fifth at 7.8 billion. Do you want to speak to that before we talk about the top five states they actually purchased? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been consistently those five for the last number of years. Um, uh, traditionally, over the years, it's been Canada uh, who's been the biggest purchaser of uh, U.S. real estate, um, and but uh, several years back, China overtook them um, by a big margin, and now you know you, you're, you see China being the dominant purchaser um, in the in the U.S. real estate market, 31, uh, 31 plus billion, um, and but that doesn't that doesn't include other things, commercial real estate and land and other things that are being acquired. So many of these same individuals are buying. Uh, not only real estate, but they're doing other investments into the U.S. as well. Canadians um, have traditionally bought real estate. Uh, it's obviously it's our close neighbor, and uh, many uh, individuals have used this as uh, used the acquisition as really a second home purchase, uh, snowbirds, and so on. So um, anyway, that, that's that's uh, but that those numbers, the the number of of, of the amount of real estate transactions from foreign buyers uh, have certainly moved up. Uh, it's always we've always had a robust um, you know market for international buyers, but it's it's gotten even um, even bigger I think in the recent recent years. Hey there, it's Michael Lafito. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. If you are interested in signing up for our luxury listing specialist certification, or if you want additional information on how you can dominate selling higher end homes in your marketplace, make sure you go to luxurylistingspecialist.com. Uh, And then the the five states um, that those buyers are buying, number one is Florida, number two is Texas, 
number three, California, number four, New Jersey, and number five, Arizona. Out of those top five, I anticipated probably four out of those five. Jersey was, uh, you know, that caught me by surprise the first time you shared this. But Florida, number one, California was second. Top five states for international buyers, uh, California was third. Um, So Florida, Texas, California, Jersey was fourth, and Arizona fifth. Has that uh, been pretty consistent? I, I know Florida... California, uh, Texas, uh, any of those kind of new, t- new to that, to that top five list in your opinion? No, I mean, I think, I think the New Jersey experience is, um, it's all, you also have a little bit of, uh, the, the, you know, the boroughs near nearby. So there's a lot of transaction obviously going on in New York city and across the river in New Jersey. Uh, New Jersey obviously has become more affordable, has been more affordable than, uh, New York, um, so you've seen some overflow because of that, but yeah, I think I think you know Florida has always had a large number of transactions. Um, in, in Florida, the buyers are a little different, right? It's it's from uh, South America, uh, Latin America, you know, Europe, Middle East, um, um, and and uh, so on. There hadn't traditionally hadn't been that much from Asia into Florida, but that's that's starting to change. Uh, so you, I think. For the first time, I've seen the numbers out of China into Florida go up, um, which traditionally has been close to zero. So you're seeing some diversification of buyers into Florida uh, as well. And uh, but you know, Florida is a big international market. If you go to South Florida, um, if you go to Miami, uh, more than 50% of the transaction in in uh, downtown Miami, the high-rise condos are all foreign buyers. So that's uh-huh. that's probably the highest percentage of any market uh, out there. Um, Texas, you know, Texas is buyers from all over. People from uh, China as well as Mexico and other countries have uh, begun to buy a lot into Texas. It's a it's a business friendly market. So there's a lot of the kind of employment that's moving in that way. So you also see some of that uh, being the the impetus for many people moving and buying into Texas. So and California has always been one of the top. Um, and, but it's more biased towards, uh, uh, Pacific Rim purchasers. Although you do have people mm-hmm. from Mexico and Canada, uh, acquiring into California as well. Uh-huh. Well, you know, where specifically they're buying, um, you know, what other States, um, from each country, that's one of the slides that you'll share. We don't have time to cover that today, but it, it's a really informative slide where, Basically, from you know Canada, top five states, the Canadians are buying. Top five states, Chinese are buying. India, Mexico, and UK. That's a very informative slide as well. Uh, the next thing I want to talk a little bit about is the international buyers, you know, purchase expensive homes. So one of the things that we teach in our certification and our trainings is that there's four price points in every market. There's entry level homes. There's your average priced homes. There's high-end homes, which we define as two times whatever the average sale price is for your given market. And then there's luxury homes, which we define as three times whatever your average sale price is for your given market. So really owning the numbers is important. But the one, uh, the, the one thing that I found really, it, it, it just verified what I already thought was that the average purchase price of the international buyer was definitely, you know, 
above the average sale price, right? It was more on the high end and, and, and luxury. And, you know, it was basically double that of, of the U.S. domestic average. All international buyers were pretty much double. So they averaged what I would define as high end. And, and that's according to NAR as well, a very informative slide that you share where you break down, you know, China was number one, their average purchase price was just over 781,000. Next was um, the UK at 741. Then Canada was third at 560. India was fourth at 522. And then Mexico at 326 uh, average sale price or average purchase price, I should say. So r- really, really good data there. Um, you want to speak to anything there? No, I mean, that's right. The, the, you know, obviously the title of my presentation was, um, you know, um, you, you know, luxury is global and global is luxury. It, it's, it, you know, it's, it's the, it's that theme, right? International buyers are um, more likely to buy more expensive homes. Uh, mm-hmm. Typically when people are buying homes outside of their own country, they're going to be generally high net worth individuals, right? So right. it's, um, so that, that by definition um, will drive the pricing up. Um, uh, the Chinese consumers and buyers uh, pay the most. Uh, they go after the higher uh, price homes, it's, but it's also because of the markets they go after as well as because they do buy a lot in high priced states and markets like California and, 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 and New York and so on. So that's why it kind of puts the numbers up. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, the U.S. average is about 270000 is the average purchase price uh, for, for U.S. average. Um, but if you look at international, as you said, it's, it's double that number. So mm-hmm. definitely if you want to build a clientele that is both global and luxury and high net worth, then uh, you know, international is one aspect of it certainly that you can focus on, but it does come with other obligations in terms of how you work with those uh, parties and, uh, and the knowledge base that you have to kind of walk in with. Yep, very very good. Um, talk to me a little bit about cultivating that global clientele. So understanding the culture and anticipating needs and and the rules, whether it be written or unsaid. Um, any kind of resources that you want to share, or anything that you can share with the audience that perhaps doesn't have an experience of of working with global clientele. Yeah, you know what? Um, there's a um and I'm going to probably mess up the name of the book, but it's, it's written by a wonderful individual, Terry Morrison, um, uh, kiss, bow and shake hands, I believe is the mm-hmm. title of the book. Um, uh, and it's a very extensive book about kind of how you conduct business from people from different parts of the world. And, um, so, and obviously you may not, have, <laughs> you may not be able to have the time to learn the unique characteristics and engagement of different, um, you know, different, um, uh, individuals from all around the world, but you may say, Hey, I'm in Florida and these are the top five buyers. I'm going to focus on that. Uh, and then you have to kind of understand the business that they're in, right. And how, how they go about conducting their business. You don't, you certainly do not want to uh, offend people or turn people off, uh, unintentionally. So I think it's important to understand the culture understand what they need uh, from you as a foreign buyer. Now, they're looking for you. Obviously, they're not living here. They're looking for you to be the eyes and ears of for them as they look to buy. Um, typically, they don't come and they don't have, you know, months and months to look at properties. So when they come, they want to look at it in a very tight time period. 
And, um, and so you have to just be ready. So you got two days. How many listings are you going to line up to, to check out? And, and you, you have to really hone in on what they want because you don't have time to any time to waste. And if you, if they leave after two days of looking at a bunch of properties and you didn't really show them what they want, they may not be back for months and months. And so, um, it's really important to not only understand the culture, but understand exactly what their needs are and build the, um, build the list of uh, properties that you want to show them that you think has the highest, pro- highest probability of being purchased. So that's, that, those are, those are sort of very important things because you, you miss that window and then you potentially lose out on the sale opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good advice. Thank you. Um, for anybody that would like to get more information about or get in contact with you, we already talked about, um, you know, for more information on Asian Real Estate Association of America, or for short, A-R-E-A-A, they can go to A-R-E-A-A.org. But for anyone that might want to reach out to you, find out more about your expansion model or just some of the information you shared today, um, what, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you, Jim? Yeah, um, they can um, get a hold of me. Um, just reach out to me on my e- uh, by by email. Um, my email is um, Jim at marquisinternational dot com, um, and I'll you know I'll put that into the uh, the slide that you'll share with the Perfect. the uh, yep. the listeners. And yep. absolutely, if they're interested in the business model we're building out, or they're interested in just asking some questions or giving some. Um, suggestions on places to go to learn the business, uh, this segment of the business and helping them business, um, build out their business strategy. I'm happy to uh, do those things, um, as well. So anyway, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a great opportunity. Obviously there's international business. My view is that it is going to continue to move up. Uh, the, the, the world is becoming more global <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, I do think uh, real estate is, is right along with it. So very good, very good. Uh, social media, can you talk to me maybe about social media at all, um, whether it be, um, you know, WeChat or, um, you know, some of the social media uh, apps, you know, that are out there or apps that are out there uh, that perhaps would help um, as well? Yeah, I, I mean, there's obviously, whether it's WeChat or Kakao or there's a lot of other um uh, social media or, or um, communications tool that are out there that are used used by folks from uh, different parts of Asia. Um, yeah, I, I think it's you know depending on the clientele you're looking to cultivate, I, you, you do have to uh, get on those platforms. You have to communicate the way your clients prefer. So I would I would certainly um, I would certainly uh, make sure to do do that. Um, it doesn't really take much to research, like, you know, what's the preferred tool, you know? So if you're, if you're working with Chinese consumers, yeah, you gotta, you better get on WeChat, right? Uh, Kakao, uh, a lot of Asian countries use it, but Koreans tend to use that. Um, so it just depends, you know, where, which, which market you're focused on. Uh, you do have to kind of, you know, my view is international isn't a, it's not a monolith. It's very different. And so it requires you to learn and to build a strategy that can meet the needs of those consumers and be, you know, I would say just be precise about who you want to go after and who you want to serve. 
Um, and it's, it's, it's not like you can open up the door and say, I'm an international agent. Uh, um, you know, that doesn't always work. You have to know the, the, the customs, the tax laws, um, you know, real estate rules of different countries so that you can help really be the knowledge uh, that they need and the comfort they need to have in order to purchase a relatively experienced, expensive real estate. So that's what I do a lot of homework and, but it's, but that's, that's the fun part of uh, learning new things and, and uh, cultivating a new client base. Uh-huh. Good, good advice there. You know, communicate with clients the way they want to be communicated with or communicated to. You know, that's a, that's a simple reminder, um, not just whether it be apps or social media, but also if they prefer email and you prefer text, you know, communicate with your clients the way they prefer to be communicated with as well. So with that being said, uh, thank you, Jim. Uh, great information. Again, uh, make sure you download the slides as well. Thank you for sharing that, Jim. Uh, for more information on our certification, if you're looking to work smarter, not harder, increase your average sale price, you can go to LuxuryListingSpecialist.com. We're about to release some webinars, on-demand webinars as well, where you can find out more information. Uh, you can text LUX to 72000, text L-U-X-E to 72000, and uh, we'll include a bunch of uh, freebies and bonus items for you, uh, but we'll also get you information on that webinar where you can learn more about increasing your average sale price and working smarter, not harder. As always, if you have any questions specifically about this podcast or you want to nominate somebody else that you think would be a great contributor, you can send me an email to michael at marketingluxurygroup.com, michael at marketingluxurygroup.com. Remember, it's not the market, it's the marketing. Keep raising the bar and enjoy the rest of your summer. Until next time, talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye.